I'm going to have, uh, have you stand. Uh, I'm not going to do announcements this morning. You can read those in our weekly. But I'm going to have you stand one more time for just a quick reading of God's word for this morning. So if you would stand with me. We're going to be in Romans chapter 6, verses 20 to 23. These are the words of God. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful that in the life of the ones you have saved, those who uh, we call believers, Christians, every day is Good Friday and every day is Easter. And as we sang that you have victory over death, uh, many times followers of Christ live as if the resurrection is a nice story but has no power connected to it. The resurrection is a nice thing to celebrate once a year, but it has no meaning throughout the rest of the year. I pray, God, that as we celebrate Easter here at uh, our church and around churches, uh, churches around the world today, that we would remember that you have claimed and have proven to be victorious over sin, Satan, and death. And that leads to a fruitfulness in our lives, a change in our lives, a sanctification or set-apartness in our lives that only you can produce. So God, we're thankful for this day. Let us celebrate it with vigor. Let us feast and laugh and have joy, true joy, in knowing that we have been saved from sin, Satan, and death And we have been promised eternal life that is now and forevermore. We pray for those uh, who might be hurting today, maybe because of sin that they feel they can't overcome, maybe because of illness, maybe because of difficulties in their life of different kinds. We ask for your healing, for your wisdom, for your guidance. And we ask for the church that you died for and rose for, we ask that your church would minister to those needs. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have a seat. As a church uh, here at New City, we've been going through the book of Romans for the past eight months or so. And as you get close to Easter as a pastor, it's kind of that big time where you got to hit that home run sermon And you got to talk about that Easter stuff. And I realized as I reviewed our series through the book of Romans that all of that is Easter stuff. And we just so happen to be in Romans chapter 6 in our sermon series. And this particular passage, as God's providence would allow, is especially Eastery. And yes, I made that word up. Uh, But we're going to talk about Easter. And I want to think about it in, in two contexts. Those people who, and maybe some of you are here today, You're not a believer. You're maybe a skeptic, maybe a cynic. Uh, Maybe you have questions about who God is and what the gospel is all about. 
And we're also going to talk to those people who are believers and maybe they feel a sense of a lack of fruitfulness in their life or a sense of connection with God and the resurrection power of Christ isn't as real to them as they would like it to be. And those two people, those two classes of people, if you want to call them that, are discussed over and over again in Scripture. We, we believe as Christians that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is Jesus Christ. It is the glory of God, and it's a story that's revealed to us from Genesis to Revelation. So any of those passages in those books of the Bible could be Easter passages. They all point to... Uh, not only the hero of human history, which is Jesus Christ, they point to the absolute pinnacle event in the history of humanity, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That is the most prominent message that you as a human being will have to wrestle with. In the beginning of Romans, it says that everybody knows that message. They may not know the details or the words, but they know without excuse that there is a God, that they have fallen short of that God, and through Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice, you can know God as your Lord and Savior. You can know him as your master. We've been talking about that a lot in the book of Romans. There's a lot of contrast in this book. Um, There's a difference of what life looks like in sin. Okay? Sin is a very biblical word. As a matter of fact, if you look throughout scripture, you very rarely if ever see the word mistake. Who likes to call their sin a mistake? I do. I do that sometimes. Oh, I made that mistake. No, that was sin, brother. That was something that was against the righteousness, the perfection of God. And so there are people who live in sin, They're ruled by it. We'll talk about that more as we go through this passage. And there's also people who have been given by Christ life in Christ. Okay, so those of you who have been saved by Jesus have life in Christ. And there is this stark contrast between life in sin and life in Christ. These scriptures that we've been going through recently talk about it as darkness versus light. As death versus life. As meaninglessness versus fruitfulness. Romans is written by a man who was the enemy of Christianity. But on a road to Damascus, he saw Jesus. Jesus spoke to him and Jesus saved him. And he wrote this amazing letter. I challenge you to read it. I I would advise you to read the letter to the Romans that Paul wrote and it talks about Paul, uh, uh, Paul's life a little bit and it talks about the gospel and how he met the risen savior on the road to Damascus. He before this did not believe that Jesus had risen and that the resurrection had proved that Jesus was God. He denied that and he was an expert in the Old Testament which were the scriptures to the Jewish people of which Paul was a Pharisee. He was the smartest guy on the block. He was that guy that you avoid at the cocktail party because you know he will beat you in a debate. That was Paul. He had every intellectual reason to believe that Jesus had not risen, yet Christ appears to him on the Damascus road. And Paul, even though that he thought he was living in the light, 
was proven to be living in the darkness. And he saw the light of Jesus' glory on the road to Damascus, and he was changed. He was changed. He wasn't changed just in his behavior. He was changed from what you might have heard before, from the inside out. His heart was transformed. So this is the Easter story in Paul's life and in our life. It's the resurrection of Christ and it is redemption, but it is redemption for a purpose. There is a meaning to it. There is a purpose for you behind the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I know so because if you read the Easter account in the Gospel of John, Jesus says these words to his disciples. He says, peace be with you. That is what he says to them after he raises from the grave. This word peace is an amazing word. It's not like the 1960s, peace, bro. Okay, It's peace. It's shalom. That's the word for it in scripture. It is only a peace that God can give. It's a fullness of peace. And it's a message that in Christ we are no longer enemies of God and destined for his wrath. Through Christ, God makes peace with us. Shalom. Folks, think about that for a while. That is a great Easter gift to you. That if you are saved by Jesus, you are at peace with God. And the wrath of God, instead of being poured out on us, was poured out on Christ for those who have been saved by Jesus. They have shalom. They have shalom. Now, what does that peace and the resurrection mean for tomorrow, Monday, April 22nd, 2019? And for the rest of the days that you have on this earth, what does the resurrection mean and the peace of God mean for those days? Jesus says, peace be with you to his disciples. And as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. The purpose of the resurrection isn't just your salvation, although that is an amazing thing, right? The purpose of it is to show you that there is new life in Christ, and the message of that new life in Christ is to be taken to everybody. At the end of our time, I'm going to do this now instead of at the end. Uh, At the end of our time today, I was going to point you to this little track. This is an encapsulation of the good news of Jesus Christ. And you can take it as Jesus has been sent by God to the planet to die and to rise again so that our sins might be forgiven. He sends us out to take this message to people who do not know it so that they will have new life. A life of peace and as we're going to look at here in a little bit, a life of of fruitfulness. Maybe not what you think fruitfulness is, but a life of fruitfulness. The resurrection of Christ is a message to be proclaimed to the world and to be lived in the world. And Paul knew this, and he gives us this word in Romans about this message and how peace with God changes everything. And he starts with this. For the good news to be good news, there has to be bad news. Okay, just so you know. This is the bad news. Paul says, for when you were slaves of sin. Now, 
Paul does not suppose that some have escaped the nature of sin that is in all of humanity except for Jesus Christ. Paul told brothers and sisters the truth. And he starts this little passage by saying, For when you were slaves to sin, there is no option. All of us without Christ were slaves to sin. He correctly identifies, Paul does, that all humans other than Jesus prior to being rescued and saved by Jesus were slaves to sin. Many people have tried to change the word slaves in scripture to make it more palatable to our political correctedness, but the word is slave. We have learned throughout Romans that we are all slaves to something. It is either sin and self or it is Jesus. Those are the two options. Paul then says that when we were slaves to sin, we were free in regard to righteousness. Now that's an interesting thing to say. And what Paul basically is saying, that there's these couple of implications. In our sin, we are unable and unwilling to live righteously in relationship with God and others. We don't even understand the responsibility of righteousness, even our good stuff, as Paul calls himself later in this particular letter, our good stuff is filthy rags to God. Paul says that we want to live this way. We desire to live this way. We crave this way of living to be slaves to sin in our own humanity without Christ. We, we want it because we want to be free of the boundaries of righteousness. Now, that might seem like the way to do it. In our culture especially, you know, it's, it's a carpe diem, right? Seize the day. Do what you want today, tomorrow you're going to die. So live for yourself. Be a slave to those sinful desires and, and go and do them because to be, to be bound by righteousness, that sounds so stodgy. But Paul, because he's very smart and he's got a little bit of a sense of humor, okay, he says this, but what fruitfulness comes from living that way? What fruitfulness comes from living as a slave to sin? Most of the time when I meet people, matter of fact, I was talking to someone very recently and I had this conversation. Um, when, when they think about Christianity, when they think about Jesus and the resurrection and having to be a slave to Christ versus a slave to them own se- their own selves, so many people I meet uh, think that Christianity is this horrible way to live. They imagine like white shirt, which I have on by the way, just as a coincidence, black tie, um, you know the Ray-Ban glasses which are back in vogue so that's not too bad, uh, black, you know slacks and the 90 pound Bible and speaking in thee and thou English. And all the fun things that I see out there that the world has for me to do, I can no longer do. Christianity has so many do's and don'ts, so many restrictions and punishments. It is so boring and it's so tedious. But Paul says, en contraire, mon frere, life without Christ is actually the life that leads to death and darkness. 
What feels good to you in the moment, the sin that you are a slave to in the moment, is leading to death and darkness. And you have within you, because you are created in the image of God, a desire for your life to be fruitful, to mean something, to have a, a, a cosmic, if you will, change in, in direction of where you're at now in your sinfulness. You want to be fruitful, but our sinfulness is unfruitful. And the idea is that life without Christ is the one you really want to avoid. Paul says that if the resurrection did not happen, your life is meaningless. It literally is a description of a nothingness void. That you might think in, in, in the sin that, that so easily entangles you and your slavery to it, that you're getting some measure of joy and meaning and purpose. Paul says, the resurrection makes a difference. If it didn't happen, all of those pursuits are nothing, meaningless, hopeless, and fruitfulness. But again, you were created for fruitfulness. I don't know if you've seen an ad. I got a quick uh, story, and I'll try to stay on time here so that Adam doesn't get upset with me, but love you, brother. I'm going to stay within. Okay, here, here we go. This is the story. The, there's a movie out called Big Little Farm. Have you seen the ads for this? I'm into farming for some reason. Like all of a sudden I get into these crazy, like weird, uh, you know, tangents in my life where I'm really obsessed with this whole concept of farming. And it started with these farmers who, you know, would take these overrun farms that were destroyed and they would create these gardens of Eden. And this is what this movie's about, Big Little Farm. It's about this farm in California. These people go to it, and they see just a desolate wasteland. And they're probably thinking, why in the world would I spend all this money on this big, hardened mound of clay? But they go in, and because of the fruitfulness of their labors, they begin to see Little grass sprouting here and fields of flowers here and animals thriving over here. And they build, because of their fruitfulness, this, this wonderful Garden of Eden in this wasteland that was before. We were created for fruitfulness. We were cre uh, created to see something come of our lives. And the fruitfulness as a Christian comes through the, the worship of God. It is the worship of God that you want to live a life of, again, fruitfulness. What scripture calls holiness or wholeness at peace with God and man. But our sinfulness put us on another trajectory and we have nothing to show for it. Without Christ, there is only, as it says here in verse 21, shame and death. I've yet to meet a person who's honest with themselves tell me that their pursuits of their selfish desires has led them to meaningfulness and purpose and joy and wholeness as a human being. Our sinfulness has put us on another trajectory. We have nothing to show for it. And without Christ, there is only shame and death. It's very interesting that in Romans, the word sin 
is associated with the word death. It's synonymous. We crave it without Christ. We want it without Christ. We want to pursue that the, those things that will only bring shame and death upon us. But this is where Paul changes direction in this passage. With Christ, because of his resurrection, there is freedom from sin and exchange of slavery. Instead of being to yourself, a slavery to God. Now the Bible translates this word correctly. Dulio, slavery. You are a doulos. You are a slave as a Christian to Christ. And Paul and all Christians have been made captive to and subservient to God. And Jesus' resurrection proves that he has the power to save us and to make us captive to him and subservient to him. Now, some folks that I talk to say, man, I don't want to be a slave to nobody. I'm an American. Nobody's going to rule over me. It's really interesting that our, the founders of our country, as many people know, and they used to teach this in history, uh, many of them were Bible-believing, Bible-toting Christians. Some of them were uh, what we would call a theist, meaning they believed in a God that was absent and not involved. But a lot of them were, were uh, theists in the way that you and I are as Christians. We believe that God is active and in the world and, and doing things and, and he's building his kingdom. But even those believers, when they were rebelling against the English, they had a saying, we have no king but Jesus. They understood rightly that slavery to God is the only way to live in joy. That being subservient and captive to him is the only way to experience peace on this earth. Now some would say, as I said, that that they don't want to be slaves to anyone. And in saying so, you have become a slave to yourself and your sin. You can't make uh, choices where there are no consequences or results. If you refuse slavery to God or if you refuse to be saved by Jesus, then you are captivated and subservient to you. Now, I don't know about you, but being subservient to me is a bad place to be for me. Like, I can't even keep the dandelions out of my yard, you know? I have no power. I have no control, really, over many things in my life. I have no ability to transform my own heart. I need Christ to do that. And the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is, you and I can only rely on the same power that rose Christ from the dead to give you new life in Christ. You can't behave your way into it. You can't moralize your way into it. It's only done by God. God makes us captive and subservient to him. Jesus has always had a better way than sin and its trajectory. It's the fruit or fruitfulness of salvation and it is the fruitfulness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
Being saved is not getting out of hell for a free card, like in Monopoly. Being saved is being taken from death into life, and that life is now. You get to live it now. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ is for now. And being a slave to God, free from sin and being captivated by God, gives us two things. It gives us eternal life. How many of us are here? Because yes, I can't wait for eternal life. I'm going to be done with this Easter thing in about, you know, 10 minutes. I'm going to go eat lunch. And I'm going to go on about my business. I'll see you maybe next Christmas, maybe next Easter. And then one day I'll die. Jesus will take me to eternal life. That's true. Some people are saved. Uh, As Paul would put it, by the skin of their teeth, they'll experience eternal life. But what Jesus wants us to know is that eternal life is now. There's a purpose. There is a mission. There is fruitfulness for now. You know what Jesus and, and the scriptures calls that fruitfulness? Sanctification. That's a big word you can lay down on your friends at your next, at your Easter brunch today. Sanctification. It's being set apart. It's being what a lot of us crave. To be different. Not to live in the same uh, ways that the world around us is living. Trying to find hope and meaning in things that can't give it. We are different. We are set apart by God. We're dedicated to God for His glory and His mission. And you have been resurrected if you're a Christian and are continuing to be resurrected every day for the fruitfulness of God and His glory. So there's two ways to respond to the resurrection. Paul says it this way. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The resurrection means something today. And a lot of folks who uh, might be here say, I'm a follower of Christ. I've been saved by Jesus. I want this, this, this eternal life. Jesus wants to give that to you, but he wants you to have the fruitfulness of sanctification now. He wants you to be done with your sinful Uh, pursuits that lead to death and to be transferred and transformed into life. You will be paid for whoever you are a slave to. The wages of sin is death. But because of the resurrection power of Christ, the wages of the resurrection is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. We're going to take communion We're going to sing some more songs. I invite you to grab one of those tracks or a handful of those tracks. I I just want to talk, and maybe this isn't very Eastery, but I do want to talk to those people who are followers of Christ, and maybe you have never shared the gospel with anyone. And maybe now you're expecting that the pastor is going to say, shame on you. I'm thinking that, but I'm not going to say it, okay? I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. No shame on you. But as Jesus was sent into the world, 
He sends us out. You, you see what's happening in our world. I was just talking to my son who's uh, just turned 19 years old. And I, you know, I, I'm almost 50. I'll be 50 in a month. You can send gifts to the church address. Um, I'll be 50 a month. And I was just saying, man, you know, things are sure changing. And he looked at me and said, Dad, things have always been changing. Things are always, you know, not what they, what you want them to be. And as a follower of Christ, I want to see things different in my own life, in my family's life, and in the world. We have the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ to be sent into this world and proclaim it to people. And we get to live it. And when you come to this table today, the body represented by this bread that was broken for you and the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins gives you a new life. It's a beautiful day outside. The avalanche just swept, or not swept, but they beat the the flames. The nuggets are even with the spurs. Great rejoicing in the city of Denver. Nothing compares to the body broken and the blood shed so that you can have new life in Christ. If you don't know Jesus today, I pray that you would put your faith and trust in him as he saves you. You would respond in worship. You would come maybe for the first time and take communion by dipping the bread into the wine or the juice and remembering that the resurrection matters for your fruitfulness as well as your eternal life in Christ. Let's pray. Father, the resurrection of Jesus is an everyday celebration. It's all we have. We can enjoy the blessings that you've given us in life. We can enjoy the beautiful place that we live and the wonderful food that we're going to experience together after this is over. But ultimately, what will change the world is you being crucified, risen, and you are coming again. You have destroyed the power of sin and Satan and death. You are building your kingdom We get to partake in that. And even though it may seem difficult today or it may seem impossible today to know you and to love you, our life is a short uh, whisper. Whatever it is, I pray that we would express that uh, to another believer and that believer would point us to the cross of Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the grave, demonstrating his power to overcome The sin that leads us to slavery. The death that comes into our life from it. And instead we can have life in Christ. We can be fruitful for your glory and for your kingdom. Let us live in that reality. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.